Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. On August 28th, we welcomed member Mike Nesbitt to our pulpit. Mike preached from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 1 and 7 through 12. All right. Well, as you can tell by my first misstep, I did not go to Oxford. So I hate to disappoint you. Instead, I went to Southern West Virginia Community College. Our our, uh, theme or our was pay your fees, get your B's. <laughs> I, I, got, I got a B minus. But my tuition was $200 a semester. So a lot cheaper than Oxford. One thing we know about Jesus is that he liked to party. He liked to have a good time. We know that he turned water to wine, and we know that he received a lot of criticism for hanging out and partying with tax collectors and sinners. That's the type of person Jesus was. The passage we are going to talk about today is one where Jesus is invited to a dinner party. But it's not the type of dinner party that I think Jesus really wanted to attend. It's kind of like an office party. Ever been to one of those? You know, he was invited to the party, office party, by a Pharisee who was a ruler, high up. And we, if you've grown up in the church like me, you, you know about the Pharisees. Um, they very strict about obeying all the rules. It didn't work on the Sabbath. And blah, 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 it went. And we're familiar with that. And it doesn't sound like partying type of people. And the thing about Pharisee and what the word actually means is to be separate of, to be away from, or the separated one. And so the Pharisees separated themselves from everyday people and from the sinful world. They wanted to be set apart. And if we're raised in Baptist church like I was, that's very much a part of our teaching and part of the Christian culture. We have two things we talk about. We talk about the church, where the people dress up and go to Sunday school, pay their taxes and pay their tithes. And then we have the world. Those are the people who dance, go to movies, drink alcohol, and other bad things. And So I think this passage is about how do we be people who are separate, 
How are we to relate to the world? How do we see ourselves with people we might consider worldly? Well, at the party that Jesus is invited to, the passage says they were watching him closely. They were wanting to trap him, trick him, getting to do something or say something that they could use to diminish him in front of uh, his followers because Jesus was gaining popularity and this was threatening to the Pharisees. Well, the first thing Jesus does at the party is he turns the tables on. Uh, like any good lawyer, Jesus asks a question. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath, yes or no? And they didn't answer. They did not answer. And then after this, Jesus noticed, you know, after he kind of put them in, his, put them in their place, took them off their high horse, he noticed that the guests there all positioned for the seat of honor to be the most important at the party. And that's when he tells this, this parable. And I'm going to read it again. When you are invited by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host. And the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place. And then in disgrace, you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. The lesson in this parable at first seems pretty simple, but as Wayne wrestled with it, he realized maybe it's a little deeper than what you think. But do not exalt yourselves. This is the part in the sermon where I would get on my high horse and start the preaching about capitalism, about politicians, about lawyers, about people who exalt themselves and how bad that is. And it's easy for me to get on that high horse because of a couple reasons. One, I, I grew up in Appalachia. In Appalachia, it is very frowned upon to be a bragger. It's very frowned upon to do anything that would tell other people that you're better than them. And so in Appalachia, we typically don't do that. Uh, it's like grooming. You always wanted to dress nice, but you didn't want to dress too nice because they might think you were maybe thought yourself as a pretty boy. So I was raised that way, so self-exaltation was something I never really struggled with. And also, it's just not my, my personality. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much, uh, I grew up, I was very shy, I'm not as shy now, 
Um, and so I was thinking, how, how would this apply to me? And, and I realized there's, you know, all of Jesus' teaching really goes to the heart. And I realize there's two ways that people exalt themselves. One is outwardly, and that is buying for the places of honor, trying to be recognized, getting on the top 25 this list, or the top 25 that list, or Louisville's best this. There's that type. And then there's the internally, where we internally in our mindset exalt ourselves above other people. And I think that trap is a lot more difficult to deal with because I do it, and I'm sure you've done it. Um, I have a lot of times and a lot of things I get on high horses about. Uh, for one, I, I like to go to the gym and lift weights. There are some people at the gym who do not put up their weights. I mean, it gets on my nerves. I could talk about it for days. And some who do put them up, put them up in the wrong place. It says 10 pounds. You put the 10-pound weight on there. Not a 5-pound, not a 25-pound. That bothers me. But some things don't bother me like uh, people who leave shoes on the floor. Doesn't bother me one bit. Or people who leave drawers open in the house, or don't put up dishes, don't clean dishes. Don't bother me at all. Because I'm that person. <laughs> and every once in a while I'm tempted to say, honey, Get off your high horse. But I'm that person. And I thought, who, who am I to fuss about guys at the gym when I'm worse at home? It's like the guy with the moat, piece of timber in his eye, going around, you know, in that area, that's... That's me. I'll tell you how I would have acted if I was at the wedding feast. Is I wouldn't have sat up front. I would have sat in the middle or in the back. I'm not that extinguished, so I wouldn't have been asked to come up front. But I'll tell you this. When the guy walks in and sits up front, I would think, Who's, who's he think he is sitting up here? And then when he got asked to go to the back, I loved it. <laughs> I would have. We, and, and we all do it. Let's, you know, as I thought about it, you know, we, we love underdog stories. So I thought maybe it's not about the underdog. Maybe it's about we love seeing people knocked off their high horse. Because you ever notice that anybody Rocky ever defeated in his early movies was someone who bragged a lot. And we just love to see that type get humbled. 
This passage at its core is about human relations and whether or not we perceive others as equal and as worthy as, as, we, as us. As equal and worthy of, of God's love and of equal and worthy of respect. I believe that we're all in this together and we all need each other. We, we cannot do this life alone. We cannot carry God's mission out into the world alone. We have to rely on others. And we have to rely on others that we might see as being on a high horse or being less than. This, uh, I've been going through a midlife crisis for about 10 years now. <laughs> and this weekend I did a, a it's called a Rugged Maniac. It's a obstacle course. It's three miles, and you got 25 obstacles. You go over walls. You go through tunnels. Uh, you swing from things. You get across big pits of water. You do all kinds of different things. And at the very end, there's this, uh, and it's the hardest obstacle at all. And I knew it was hard, and I wasn't even sure if I was going to try it. Because, you know, at, near the end, I was starting to feel it. It's, it's a very steep wall. It starts out, and it just gets steeper and steeper and steeper. Then at the last four or five feet, it's straight up. And the way you get over the obstacles, you have to run at it full speed, run up that wall, and then grab the top. And if you don't grab that top, down you go. And... About, I'd say about a third or a quarter of the people at the obstacle course can do it without any help. And then the rest of us, if we're going to make it, we need somebody up there with, with some arms to grab us. Well, the first time I, I tried, I really didn't have much help, and I, I didn't even get very close and almost gave up. I was back at the line, and I saw these two muscle heads <laughs> type of guys I judge at the gym and they laid me on so I went and man they they grabbed me and pulled me up and got me over that wall and so it may be the person you are separating yourself from like the Pharisees or distinguishing yourself from, like we do in, in this culture, that may be the very person that God has for you to get you over that wall. And so I think as, as Christians, we, we need to pray and work that we stay off of our high horses. It's easy to get on. We all have them. And be like Jesus, how did he come into the city of Jerusalem? On a donkey. So let's, let's ride the donkey instead of the high horse.
Let's pray. God, thank you for this opportunity we had to worship you and be in your presence and to be in the presence of our brothers and sisters in Christ. Pray that you be with us this week. Help us to spread your word. Help us to stay off the high horse and give us the humility to ride the donkey. In Jesus' name, amen.